The reading this morning comes from Jonah chapter 2 and we'll be reading from verses 1 through to 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help and you listened to my cry. You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So far the reading from God's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, good to have you here on this uh, long weekend. And uh, for those of you at home, uh, good to have you with us, wherever you might be, in Australia or indeed around the world. Isn't it uh, wonderful? Technology allows us to uh, get across a message written so long ago uh, today. And um, I was even just commenting uh, to my dear good friend Sam here this morning, uh, who's showing me his smartwatch. And um, I was looking at, with quite a lot of envy, actually, because I thought that thing could just do anything you like, even giving you God's word uh, on a little phone like that and uh, reminders uh, to read it. So we are privileged people today. We have so many opportunities. Uh, we are, are gathered here. And um, I'm just being dazzled by the light. There's a, there's a car over there with a window that I'm, I'm being blinded by the light. It's unbelievable. It's just, What's going on here is incredible. We've had boards falling over, and <laughs> it's great. Let's pray and let's ask God to, um, to help us. Father in our God, we thank you that uh, these moments are so uh, precious to us because uh, we have your word in front of us. We do pray we may not take this too lightly, to meet here in, in freedom and um, to fellowship together. Uh, thank you for calling us to be your people. Uh, in the name of Jesus we do meet and we thank you for this time. And uh, for all of us who are, are gathered here, whether it be at home, listening in, and please uh, meet with us, Father, and uh, speak to our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the uh, challenge of uh, climbing Mount Everest uh, 
really continues to attract a lot of people despite the many dangers. I suggest to you this morning, it's probably not something you ought to tackle over a long weekend. Last month, uh, Nepalese uh, Jelji Sherpi, or Sherpa, I should say, uh, he brought his client uh, up to as far as the death zone on Everest. I don't know whether you heard of this, but the death zone's about 8,000 metres above sea level. And uh, being uh, near the summit of Everest, you just can't stay there at the death zone very long. Sometimes um, uh, people have got up there and they discover that there's a queue of people uh, waiting to get up to, up to the top of Everest. It could be fatal. The temperature never rises above minus 17 degrees. Uh, there isn't enough oxygen to breathe unaided for more than a few minutes. And apparently the lack of oxygen starves, starves the brain of that. And um, as a climber, you can even forget where you are. It's been known, actually, that some have started to shed their clothes and uh, talk to imaginary friends. Well, on the 18th of May, uh, Jelji Sherpa reached the death zone. And uh, as he got there, he spotted another climber who was clinging to a rope, a fellow from Malaysia. The climber had nothing left. Oxygen was gone, nothing in the bottle. Uh, there were climbers and guides just continuing to pass this guy by because they were so determined to get to the top. With only about 600 metres left to climb, Jelji made the decision to abandon his journey with his uh, client and do the near impossible task to save the Malaysian climber. Went over to him, wrapped the climber in uh, a sleeping mat, gave him oxygen and strapped him to his back. And for six hours, fastened to his back, Jelji climbed him down the mountain. He was met by another Sherpa and together they took turns in carrying this bloke, sometimes dragging him through the snow before reaching a helicopter and uh, took him to base camp. Later on, Jelji was interviewed. He said no one was helping him. He was about to die. He had no friends, no oxygen, no Sherpas with him, no guides. In early June this month, the rescued climber returned to Malaysia. He appeared on national television and shared his story. He posted the story on uh, several social media outlets and not a single word was said of thanks to his rescuer, Georgie Sherpa. Now this morning, friends, we're continuing in our sermon series, The Prayers of Old Testament Saints, Jonah's remarkable thanksgiving prayer for his rescue. The book of Jonah is familiar to many of us, I'm sure. Jonah lived in the reign of King Jeroboam, Israel's uh, king, the second, 800 years before Christ. And uh, Jonah, as we've heard already expressed this morning, was uh, told to go and preach to the people of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And instead he goes and 
in the opposite direction. He boards a ship to, at Joppa bound for Tarshish. The Lord sends the furious storm and after telling the sailor who he is and what he's doing and what they should do with him, Jonah is thrown overboard. Which brings us to his prayer. We're going to look at this this morning under four headings. Now if you've got your handout with you this morning, we've got the Bible passage there and there are four uh, points we're looking at. Distress from the depths, his call to the Lord, then the Lord brings up from the pit and then Jonah's praise for salvation. So in verse 1 we read there that from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now how did he get there? Well just before this we read that the Lord appointed a great fish and swallowed up Jonah and there is Jonah inside the fish for three days and three nights. Some people have uh, a harder time swallowing Jonah than the fish did. One guy I was reading about said that Jonah was simply thrown overboard and landed on top of a dead floating whale and floated along for a few days. And then there was another thought that uh, maybe there was another, uh, there was a ship that was there, it was uh, bound, found, a, found a port uh, for the sailors who took Jonah there and put him in an inn and they called the inn the whale. Then there was somebody else who said that uh, the whales, uh, sorry, the sailors rather, had a little dinghy uh, tied to the back of the, uh, the big boat that they had there and that was called the great fish. And it simply meant that what they were doing was throwing Jonah into the dinghy and sort of pushed him off. All attempts to sort of explain this. Well, the other one, of course, is that God actually prepared a great fish and swallowed Jonah. Let me ask you, is that so difficult for God to do? Who said, let there be, and it was. Created the heavens and the earth, sustaining it by the word of his power. Is it really a stretch for the almighty God to appoint a great fish and swallow the man to keep him? Who raises the dead and can bring on the scene a great fish for his man. The miracle wasn't that... Uh, the fish swallowed Jonah, the miracle is that Jonah stayed alive in the fish for three days and three nights. So with all the gastric juices of the fish, Jonah's body didn't disintegrate and he got enough oxygen to be in there. And his prayer really is like a psalm of the uh, psalmist recounting his distress like Jonah in grave trouble. Verse 2, you see, from deep in the realm of the dead, from the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead, as one translation puts it, Jonah is swallowed up by death. And this is what it takes for Jonah to pray. He doesn't pray on board the ship, does he? If you know the story, that's not the moment where he's praying in distress in this furious storm going on. He has to go right down, coming face to face with death before he prays. Although the sailors threw him overboard, Jonah knew that it was the Lord's judgment. You can see it there in verse 3, that he knows it was the Lord who threw him into the depths. You see, these are your waves, 
your billows that are passing over me in judgment. The waters had sort of engulfed him in this sort of watery tomb from which there is no escape. He says there that he's at the roots of the mountains, the, the bottom of the sea. It, it, he's barred there, verse 6, like a prisoner, banished from the Lord's sight, in verse 4. Kind of choking on the seaweed in verse 5. He's sunk in verse 6. Hopeless in verse 7. He can't run, he can't swim, he can't breathe, he can't do anything. In the death zone. Jonah is helpless. What will it take before we will pray? Many run to Tarshish rather than going and doing what the Lord wants. Isn't that the human story? That's our story. Sometimes the best thing that needs to happen to us is the very thing we most dread. We read in 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. It may be if we do not humble ourselves before God, God in his grace will do it for us because of his great purpose in saving a people for his own. And from a situation of deep distress, it might cause us to do what Jonah did in his distress and secondly call to the Lord. Have a look at verse 2 there. In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, from the belly of Sheol really, I called to the Lord for help and you listened to my cry. If you cast your, mind, your eyes down to verse 7, similarly he says, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. He remembers. He remembers God's mercy. He surrendered to the sovereign Lord, to the living God, who hears our cries. And there he was in the great fish, rescued by the Lord at prayer. He calls to the Lord. And notice his call wasn't to get him out of the fish. What was enough was he knew again the Lord's favour. His prayer reached the Lord's attention. His prayer went to the place where the Lord's name dwelt, his holy temple. How much do you remember the Lord's? And call to him. Oh, that's right, I remember. I remember that now, he's there. Now, remember the Lord who is rich in mercy and powerful, who is loving and restores who saves and forgives. 
who promises and keeps. Who hears whenever we call to him. And you turn to him and humble yourselves before him, remembering who he is. Jonah calls to the Lord, and thirdly, the Lord brings up his life from the pit. Verse 6. You see it there, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. It was the uh, sovereign Lord's power that retrieved Jonah. It's not as if that Jonah is sort of there out at sea and... Uh, you know, we've sort of seen pictures of this, haven't we, on TV, we're sort of, sort of putting their hand up in the air and, am I over here, you know? He can't lift his hand up in the sea to signal for help. It's like he's floating on the water with his head down and his arms are out with no power to save himself. And out of that watery tomb, the Lord brought him up, supplied a great fish to preserve him. And Jonah says he will look again to your holy temple in verse 4. He will look to the symbol of God's presence. The place where there was an altar where sacrifices for sin could be made. Our sin arises from the things we do and say or think and the things we shouldn't. Our failure to love God and to follow in his way, to love his word, to love our neighbour. And as Christians, we should take this to heart. We are warned in 1 John not to say we have no sin. If we do, we deceive ourselves. Rather, like Jonah, we realise we have been brought up. The truth is in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wrongdoing. Our cries are heard. The Lord answers. And when we sin, we don't look to a, a, an altar inside a temple or a church. We look to an altar on which Jesus, the Lamb, was slain. To reconcile us to God. Jesus, out of his great love, brings up our lives all the way to the Heavenly Father. Through his work on the cross. And by this, we will never be banished from God's sight. We looked at the cross. And we trust in the cross, the sacrifice for our sin. We remember the Lord who brought up our lives from death to life. And we're going to do that this morning as we celebrate the redemption that Christ won for us in the Lord's Supper. If you've never cried out, from the depths. 
and called to the Lord, distressed over your sin. I urge you today to call on his name. Will you have to reach the end of your rope before you do? Like that climber, about to die, about to take his final breath. Along comes J.J. the Sherpa, puts some oxygen into his lungs. And like a Samaritan, wraps him up, lays him on his back. The man, utterly helpless, with nothing to contribute, and is brought step by step to safety. Jolji did everything possible that was humanly possible for that climber. And our Lord Jesus has done everything possible to bring lives up from death to life. If you've never known the life in Jesus Christ, call on his name today. Who commands fish. Commands the sea, the storm, the places we go. The one who at the cross provides all the proof of God's unfailing love for you. He's providing love for you. And with the cross firmly in our minds, we remember him. And we call on him and we draw near to him in faith to a throne of grace that we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. In distress from the depths and call to the Lord who brought him up of the pit follows Jonah's praise for salvation. We see it there in verse 9. He says that salvation comes from the Lord. That is, it belongs to him. At first, Jonah wanted to do anything other than what the Lord called him to do. And so how do we explain his change of heart? We might say, well, you know, God gave Jonah... One last chance, sent a great fish and Jonah changed his heart and turned back to God. What would Jonah say? Oh, we know, don't we? Salvation belongs to the Lord. The offer and the power to receive salvation is all the Lord's doing. Charles Spurgeon, he reflected on the need of God's saving power when he visited Carisbrook Castle on the Isle of Wight. And many years earlier, King Charles I had been a, a prisoner there 
and prior to his execution in the, uh, England, from after the English Civil War. But there was an attempt to try and escape from the castle, get King Charles I out. Everything was provided. His followers waited for him outside the wall. The boats were ready to take him away to get him to safety. And all the king had to do was get out the window, take him to safety. But he couldn't open the window. And it all came to nothing. And Spurgeon says this, so it is with people who aren't saved. If God had provided every means of escape and only required them to get out of their dungeon, they would remain there for all eternity. From start to finish, Salvation belongs to the Lord's. Jonah promises to give praise to God, promising to sacrifice to him, to worship him. For if salvation belongs to the Lord, his saved one, rescued one, brought up from the pit ones, are the ones who will live to praise him. The cross of Christ, like Jonah's fish, is that great sign to the world of the save, sovereign grace of God. Salvation belongs to him. And for this, all praise for our rescue is his. Unlike the uh, climber who just failed to acknowledge publicly his rescuer, we are to name the one who rescued us. We give praise to him, don't we? And Jonah realised the Lord sent him into the deep, then into the great fish, not to destroy him, but to save him. And as you think about your own life, is it true God has had a saving purpose to restore you, to restore you from foolish self-reliance, from ignorant pride, from rebelling against him, from unbelieving stubbornness, If we're being honest with ourselves, we are all prone to live like this. Have you discovered the Lord's grace to rescue you? And like Jonah, call to him. Jonah's prayer is one every believer is invited to learn. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me, salvation belongs to our God.
Make it your prayer. Make it your prayer for your loved ones who have turned away from the Lord. Deserving death like we all do. God may need to bring them low before they will call to him. It is an act of mercy by a gracious God who brings us up from the pit and puts a new song in our hearts of grateful praise. Salvation belongs to our God. Let us pray. Our Father, we bow in your holy presence this morning, having received from your words these wonderful truths. And it is really a gospel story of a wretched sinner running away, plunging in distress. but calling out in the pit and finding a God who is ready to answer, ready to forgive. And so, Lord, even today we pray as people gathered here this morning, we would indeed, even in these moments, realising that maybe any of us here has not call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation still running away in rebellion may we all remember the name given under heaven by which we are saved and call on that name and have that song of praise to declare and acknowledge before others as well that salvation is indeed belonging to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in response, we're going to stand and sing. We're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love.
Well, brothers and sisters, we come to partake together of the Lord's Supper. And as we come to share in this time together, we are going to be affirming that indeed salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord is the source of the salvation, the power of salvation. He looks with love, with compassion upon all people in distress and darkness, in sin and judgment, and has provided salvation for the world. All who look to God's Son, the Saviour of the world, find forgiveness through the perfect life of the Lord Jesus. He's active and passive obedience to God his Father. With humility and thankfulness, we eat and drink knowing that Christ died in our place and took away our sin. 
and brings us up again to life with God. It is by grace we have been saved. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 says, this is a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And in 1 Peter 1, 24 to 25, we read, Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If that is your story, if you are trusting in the Saviour, you have returned to him in faith and you are seeking to follow him, then I invite you to come and receive this bread and wine in remembrance of what Christ has done for us in his great love and mercy. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, out of your great love, you sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. We thank you for all that Jesus has done to rescue sinners like us. Trusting in him alone, we come to receive in the Lord's Supper a sign of your love and forgiveness. And as we come to receive what you have said we should do, please strengthen our faith that we might press on in our service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on the night that our Lord Jesus, for the night before our Lord Jesus died, he took bread and when he had given Thanks to his almighty father, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, our Lord Jesus took the cup and again giving you thanks, he said to them, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let us eat and drink together, remembering what Christ has done. Salvation belongs to our God.